Hello everybody, this is News of the World, your almost weekly show on underreported news and other things worth taking notice of. And I'm Tim, and on the other side of the line, hidden behind some weird, weirdly working wireless LAN, <laughs> it's Mark. Hello! Uh, in Amsterdam. Hello. Hello. Brought to you by Amsterdam's finest uh, cable internet company that kind of works. Yeah. You're, you're, you're moving closer, closer to the heart of the internet. I've almost reached the year 2013. Oh. I think I'm at 2000 right now. Possibly 2005. I'm not sure. <laughs> ah, you've in terms come a long of way. Speed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm. So, but you're ready, you're ready to rock on and... Uh, I'm ready to rock. I, I talk about first of the all, news. congratulations, world, on your new pope, if that's what you're into. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> ha, Habemus the Pope. Yeah, you Frankie. Know, they, I loved all these. Like, um, so yeah, we got a new pope. Got a new pope, and I like on the internet, on Facebook, and so forth. You have all the jokes on the Latin Habemus Papa. So there's all kinds of... In my own house, somebody was making popcorn at the time, and it became Habemos Popcorn. And then <laughs> this was the going thing in the house. And I just saw, like, random people in Germany with, like, power tools. Habemos... Anything with a P yes. was being posted as a status. Yeah, isn't, isn't Papa also a potato in South America? Yeah, you've got that. So yeah, so... Pictures of it. New potato... Yes, and it is South uh, American potato. That's it. Uh, his name used to be <laughs> Jorge Bergoglio, uh, an Italian heritage name for an Argentinian gentleman. Uh, he's um, He was actually the favorite. I don't know. We really get into these Pope politics. He was the, the like runner-up to Ratzinger. And people Last thought, time. Yeah, people thought because he didn't win last time, he's not going to win this time. So he wasn't in anybody's list. It's All funny, these cool isn't it? lists. Yeah. <laughs> they really chose like a guy who wasn't on any list. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he is South American, so everyone's like, aha, South American. But I mean, let's be honest. He's the whitest South American they could have chosen. Yes. So they didn't really do this whole thing that people thought they were going to do, where they choose someone from the continent of Africa, someone of perhaps African or like Latino descent, no offense to Italy, as a Latin... Uh, he couldn't be more country. Italian, too. Uh, so it's uh, an interesting choice. Yeah, they really didn't go very far here. Now, uh, Frankie <laughs> I, as I call him, Frankie I, Francis I will be his name, because he likes Francis of Assisi, who was a man of the people. So he's a man of the people. They say he didn't take a driver when he was Archbishop of Buenos Aires or whatever he was. Um, no driver, and he'd take public transport, and no bodyguards, and he cooks his own food. The real question is, is he going to talk to the birds too? Oh, because Francis of Assisi talked to animals? Oh, yeah, he was preaching to them, actually. Oh. Yeah, delivering well, the word of God. As you know? long as they're not gay birds, this oh, priest no, no, will no, talk no, no, to no. them. <laughs> because gay birds are just a no-no, even in uh, Argentina. Yes. And I also heard that that uh, Miss Madame Kirchner, the president yes. of Argentina, wasn't really that amused, you know, because she, I don't know if she hates him, but they're not getting along pretty well. 
yeah, and she's go- still more focused on you know Falkland Islands and all that <laughs> stuff. Strategic Something we haven't really talked about here yet, but maybe we uh, <laughs> need to Island. in the future. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out the Falkland Islands. Uh, I believe Eddie Izzard said it was needed for strategic sheep purposes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but did, uh, you, did you see this inauguration moment when he was uh, stepping on the balcony? I watched a little bit. I wanted to see how he talks. And I also wanted to measure on the scale of old how, I mean, I know he's 76, I think, but yeah. I wanted to see how old. You know, you have some 76-year-olds who are still driving and running, well, running, you know, carefully. I wanted to see if he was, like, slouched over already, like, <laughs> eh, grazie. But, no, he was, um, he was fairly, you know, he waved his arm with some strength. He's <laughs> <laughs> a pope with some arm strength. Yeah, but, but it took a while. I mean, first of all, he was standing there. You know, not moving at all, not 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 yes. lifting the head, just looking at the crowd. And I was thinking, like, did anybody tell him what to do? And now he's yeah. trying to figuring it out, or I don't know. But don't eventually, know. he started speaking. He was saying brave words like "buona sera," and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and which has all and something that has already become a meme in uh, in Argentina. That was quick, you know. That he was chosen, the one chosen, taking from the end of the world. Huh? He was talking about, yeah, he, they chose somebody from the end of the world. That were his words, referencing uh, Latin America or Argentina. And now you can, you know, order T-shirts with, you know, his face and, you know, the end of the world. And now end of the world is sort of the new name for Argentina. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's it. Now, I want to point some things out. from the end of the world. Frankie the first from the end of the world. Greetings from the end of the world. Uh, people say he's the first non-European pope. Not true. Not that we're so obsessed with popes here, but we've had a Syrian pope, Gregory the third. Back in 731, we've had popes from Bethlehem, we've had a pope from Jerusalem, and we even had a pope from what is today Libya, and that was in the year 189. Oh, really? <clears throat> yeah. And uh, actually, there have been other Syrians, so uh, so forget that whole thing. It's the, fir- it's the first South American. That's, you know, we could do that. Yeah, but uh, he's the first non-European from... Of this era. Uh, no, in the... How did they say... In German, they said Neuzeit, you know, like the new era. <laughs> and I thought like, oh, there was the a new, new era, era in the, <laughs> at the Vatican. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. It was news era. to me. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, he doesn't really seem to be a part of the new era, not the new era that we are probably uh, talking about. He, yep. he is opposed to gay, yep. I don't know, people, marriage at least. Um, yep. Abortion. Ah, abortion. So in that uh, way, he's still very uh, traditional. I mean, you don't yep. know how this is all going to shape up, but I, I don't think we can expect yeah. much change here. I think all you get is a few more tweets than you did from the last pope and maybe a Facebook status, and uh, there you go. That's all you get, Catholics. Yeah, face it. Eat it. <laughs> now, there was big news, and we were uh, busy last week. I was in Sweden. Who knows where we were? Uh, Chavez, Hugo Chavez, ladies and gentlemen, he's dead. Yes. I know. I know we're a little late, but I wanted to bring it up. Uh, died finally, and I say finally because, you know, it was we were all in the dark about it. The country was sort of in the dark about what exactly was going on with him other than 
uh, it was going bad. Uh, he did finally die, and uh, the new president is Nicolas Maduro, who was the vice president. And I don't know if you watched him, but I, I did watch some of these speeches and ceremonies, and Ahmadinejad was there, and uh, a couple of other you know leaders, no Obama. Um, and uh, his body is now uh, for the viewing, although it's not going to be permanent, which, by the way, brought me to this photographic guide of the world's embalmed leaders i mean we all kind of know that there are a few embalmed leaders out there some of them well embalmed some of them not um but i thought it was pretty cool and i'm gonna put a link to it um some of the embalmed people lenin you know of course is the most famous he's still out there he looks pretty good fresh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> a friend of mine just tweeted a picture from moscow uh, he's just being a tourist there and um there's a big dome near Red Square, like a temporary dome. It looks temporary. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's Lenin's tomb. And it's like, oh, he's got his own dome. It's pretty cool. Um, there was Stalin, but apparently Stalin is not, he's not, like, embalmed. He's, he was reburied. So I, I didn't know that. I thought he was still embalmed somewhere. Hmm. Uh, and then there were a few others. Um, what's his name from uh, North Korea? Kim Il-sung. So is that the grandfather? Yeah, that's the grandfather. Yes, that's the first one. Uh, he's uh, he's apparently embalmed, um, and it was the Russian technology that that <laughs> helped them do that one. Um, was there anybody else? Oh yeah, the North Korean leader Ho Chi Minh was uh, embalmed. Is he still embalmed? Uh, last time I checked, uh, I think he is. I think he is. But they just say they did a bad job. That's all. I don't know what it all means. They were in a hurry because it was wartime. Um, yeah, well, yeah. anyway, so Ch Chavez is going to join this renowned list. and uh, Oh, yeah, and Marcos, the Filipino dictator, <laughs> Ferdinand Marcos, is on display <laughs> still, apparently. Good. And, oh, and the weirdest one is Eva Perón, who I, I don't know if she's still on display. This is a good Argentinian theme today. Um, but, you know, everybody loved Eva. Her body was, was you know, embalmed and, and on display in a museum or something. But at some point, uh, a group came along and they wanted to prove, it was a, the junta that overthrew um, Perón, which was uh, Eva's, uh, Evita, I'm saying Eva, mm -hmm. I mean Evita. Uh, they cut off her finger to check if it was real. I mean, if she was real, not like wax or something. Oh. So apparently there was a embalmed body of Eva Perón with no finger. Like that's, and then it made me think: What happens when you cut off a finger of an embalmed body? And I think nothing. I don't know. I don't know. I never did that. Yeah, because like blood's not going to shoot out. There's no blood. <sighs> it's like cutting. It is like cutting the finger. How do they? Oh, all right. I'll leave you with that thought. Yeah, I'm not sure we should go into oh, more details. Oh, so let's get yeah. back to Chavez. Yes, he's um, dead. <laughs> he is. He's gone. He is. There's going to be an election. <clears throat> and of course, like the emotional, um, what do you call it, uh, pity thing is going to be pretty powerful. And it's, of course, expected that uh, the vice president or now president is going to be elected officially. Then sort of a lot of talk in the media is about Capriles, the, the opposition figure, who a lot of people thought is, you know, the best they've had in quite a long time. Um, and he's now trying to figure out, that's the story that keeps going around. Does he run? Because if he runs, he's probably going to lose. It's almost guaranteed and lose bad. And that could sort of be too crushing to ever come back from. That's what they say. So he's considering what else he can do, perhaps not run. But the catch is like, 
a few years ago, during one of the elections, re-elections of Chavez, the opposition boycotted the election, which was like, you know, we don't believe in this process. It's corrupt. And then, so they didn't get any people elected. And the the ruling party got to do a lot of what they wanted to do. So it's one of these catches where, like, if you stay out completely, then you've got nothing. But if you participate, you're going to lose. I, I it's it's a really difficult situation to be opposition in Venezuela, especially you know when the very popular president has has died. Um, I figure he's not going to run. That's that's what I figure. But. Now the bigger question here is now. Is anything going to change? Because Chavez, I mean, apart from what he has sort of started in Latin America, this Bolivian revolution, it's sort of um, leapt over to quite a few other countries. And I think there's a lot of things that will just more or less stay the same on an international level. But he was also very, I mean, he, he had this very personal way of dealing with things and Uh, I don't know about his uh, successor, but I I doubt that no. this can be replicated uh, exactly like this. Um, so maybe this is opening doors to new options. What do you think? I, I think you're right that the personality thing is dying. I mean, you have something similar in Cuba, actually. I know it's a different situation, but you have a regime, a president former president at this point, Fidel, who is trying to take the emphasis off the individual himself, oddly enough, when so much of the emphasis has been on him, yeah. um, and make it more about right the revolution, the country. And I don't know if they've really been successful in Cuba. I mean, they've been successful enough, you know, the country carries on, people aren't, you know, revolting completely. Um, I, so I see Venezuela as trying to move that way, you know, um, Maduro is not going to be Chavez. He's not going to be somebody that everybody wants to hug and relate to. So I think they're going to try to push, I think the party itself is going to try to push this, you know, remember Chavez, remember the revolution, remember what we're working on here. And some people will go along with it. But I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be as successful over time. Um, uh, yeah, watching the funeral, you really get this feeling. I mean, it's it's the most exaggerated version, but of the... Um, Almost religious-like, you know, fever that exists around Chavez, around the party. I mean, if you support him, y'all really support him. And, if, you know, the fact that he died is such an emotional thing. So I think that whole cult of personality, that's the term we use a lot in English, cult of personality. I think that's going away here. And that could open up, you know, uh, change. I don't, I'm not running myself, you know, wanting the whole country to just like turn completely different than what it is. I've heard, you know, so many competing statistics right now, but the statistics about poverty are interesting. Like the reduction of poverty is something very interesting. On the other hand, you have all this about inflation, about the currency, the economics, that it's not going to last, that Venezuela has put themselves in a bad situation. You can gather facts to argue that the country is on the verge of collapse, and you can gather facts to argue that people are living better. Like it's, It's very confusing. Even as like you know, a journalist or a reporter, it's um, there's lots of facts to be abused in this. Mm. What I find funny is that you know, revolutions take place and <clears throat> all these people are coming and going and dying, and the only one who's staying is Fidel Castro. <laughs> you know, he's been here forever, and he, he even had the courage to you know step down. 
And yeah. in a way, he's he's still there. And he, his influence is still there, but he's not making a fuss out of him. Now, yeah. Uh, as far as I remember, there are no statues of him in Cuba. You know, hmm. uh, it's all about Che. It's all about the other, you know, poster boys, and but it's not about Fidel Castro at all. It's funny. I mean, I'm sure when he dies, some in yeah. 100 or 200 years, <laughs> you know, then finally we're going to have some of this. But up till now, it hasn't really taken place. So it's not so much about his personality. As you already said, I think for Fidel Castro, he might not have done everything right. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm not like a 100% fan of him or so. But you have to admit that... that He has a style that's totally unmatched. And I totally believe that he thinks it's all about revolution and, and his, you know, original yeah. vision still. Yeah. And when I was there, I was like, nobody thought he would ever die. It was <laughs> really funny. People told me that. It's like, yeah, it's been here forever. He's going to say, he's, he's never dying, you know. That nobody <laughs> believes when there was some rumor that he might die. That he would actually do because it's just not happening and even now i mean still he's still there yeah yeah uh, we shall see i mean th th this is to some extent this is a similar transition or maybe um different leader different situation but similar idea to go from so much focus on the individual to to focusing on an idea or a country and you know it was more the world that was very focused on fidel in the case of fidel because um, it's interesting what you say about in Cuba, but it's more like all the news media of the world that was so... Even when... I remember when Fidel stepped down, everybody was like, <gasps> the country will collapse. You know? Yeah. What and happened? Like, nah. Nothing. Yeah. And even Raul has now announced that in a few, what, 10 years, his, I mean, I think he's really going to stick to it, too. He's oh, going to step down. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like two weeks ago. Uh, we should have put, put it in News of the World. Oh, yeah. We should probably turn to this. Uh, well, because until he actually does it, it's less, <laughs> it's less News of the World-ish because, you know, he, it, people say stuff all the time. But I think he'll really do it. I think he really oh, yeah. will step down and everybody will go, oh, no Castro's running Cuba. The place will collapse. <laughs> no, it'll be somebody else from the revolution. It might not be as magical as Castro was, number of the, the original, but uh, it may go on and... Uh, I don't know. We, we often think like the individual is so key to everything, but we see all these situations where countries have no presidents, no election results, which is going to bring us into uh, Kenya in a moment. <laughs> and, and, and life does go on. I mean, change does happen too, but not, not all at once. Uh, anyway, let's, let's go on to uh, uh, Kenya. Kenya, yes. Uh, so there was the Kenyan elections. We were talking about it in our last uh, News of the World. And, of course, the world was nervous. Kenya was nervous uh, about any violence that may surround this presidential election. And there was violence. Not there was that some. Much. Yeah, yeah some. not that much at all. Um, I mean, unfortunately, some people were killed even before uh, the actual voting happened. Um, but the, you know, the scale of what happened last time, was this was very different. And uh, there was a lot of pride uh, coming out of Kenya about this uh, to some extent. Uh, the winner ended up being uh, Kenyatta, Yomo or Jomo Kenyatta. Uh, sorry, th that's, that's the first president of Kenya. This is the son. <laughs> I knew. This is Uhuru. Yeah. yeah. Jomo was his dad, who was actually the first president in the 60s. Um, this is Uhuru. Uh, he won, uh, we're talking, 
what, 6 million, a little over 6 million votes. And uh, Odinga is right there behind them with 5 million and a little bit more. It took like, I don't know, three to four extra days, which put a lot of people, um, well, made a lot of tension, made a lot of nervous people in, in Kenya and outside. But in the end, they, they got the count apparently right enough. And they didn't even have to do a runoff, which is uh, interesting. So he'll take over. I, I read his acceptance speech, and I thought it was, you know, standard, but nice. Uh, he acknowledges all his the people running against him and uh, sort of the struggle and thanks for being peaceful. Now, the thing about Kenyatta that I remember a little bit and I was reading up on is um, he was wanted for, like, questioning at least by the International Criminal Court for his role in the election violence of 2007. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he denies it. Um, everybody denies it. That's the catch with all these <laughs> inciting violence. Because people say that on the radio, people were literally saying, you know, that party uh, stole the elections. That party needs to be killed or the people who support that party need to be beat up. Um, and, you know, now it's a matter of preventing this from happening again and finding out who is resp- – if anybody is responsible for having – urged people to kill each other or at least use their power to to influence people to do it so he's still sort of there's that little question mark next to him for his role then but he even says uh odinga should be questioned about what he did so it's a it's an odd situation and whatever happens doesn't matter he's he's president um and i don't think he'll be setting foot in the netherlands (laughs) i have this feeling because i suppose he doesn't want to get arrested or anything like that but i don't i don't think that uh, he's in specific danger of being arrested at any moment and he might even be a decent president who knows but there is that fishy role that he played in the 2007 post-election violence um so there's that but but his victory is undisputed now at this point i was reading through kenyan media today and there's no big stories about uh i mean dispute there are, you know, there are small, I even looked in the Ushaguzi, the, the crowdsource map, and, you know, you have stories of polling stations and tampering, but they're all considered small. Mm-hmm. So I don't think this is disputed anymore, no. I mean, if it is, it's by some lawyer who's going to be in court for years and <laughs> life will go on. I mean, it's possible, it's possible. <laughs> uh, I'm isn't there a lawyer somewhere still disputing the Gore-Bush election somewhere? Oh, yeah. In a probably. courthouse? <laughs> all right, yeah, all but right. the world has moved on. and Are yeah. we moving on, too? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, let's go to North Korea. Now, when I first saw this, uh, I thought something big was going on. And then I looked again and realized maybe nothing that big is going on. Like, two things happened in North Korea. Only two things last week. Uh, one... A former basketball star who was famous for different colored hair, lots of tattoos, uh, piercings in his nose, and dating Madonna in the 90s. Um, he, he's retired now. He plays for the Globetrotters, which is a sort of show team. And he went to North Korea, and he hung out with Kim Jong-un. J- Kim Jong-un, I think. Who are you right. talking about? Which uh, player? Uh, Dennis Rodman. Rodman. Okay, yeah. Dennis Rodman, yes. So this was big news and only in the United States. Yes. He, he goes there... Apparently, Un really likes um, basketball, or at least if Rodman shows up, he likes basketball. And they talk basketball, and there's a big show, and you know the people of North Korea are required to love basketball for the week and do a dance in front of them. And um, he had a good time, apparently. And he comes home, and he tells the American press, 
uh, I had a really good time. The kid is nice. You know, he, he really is not like, you know, he wants to break with the past. And every, you know, news reporter in the U.S. says, didn't you ask him about the prisons? What about his human rights record? He's not nice. How could he be nice? Look at how bad they are to their people. And Rodman, who is mostly an idiot, but yeah, he just goes, no, I, I'm not talking about all that stuff. I don't like that stuff that you just mentioned. I'm just telling you, I went, I sat with him. We had a good time. He's my friend. And people <laughs> were so angry with him. <laughs> And I honestly did he thought, say like, friend. Yes, he did. He did. <laughs> they could be. They I could mean, be. There, there, there seems to be. I mean, what what's going on? I mean, Eric Schmidt, you know, the former president of Google, mm -hmm. and still on the board, as far as I recall, uh, also went there with his daughter. You know, mm -hmm. spending a week there, like the the place that couldn't be any further away from the internet. You know. <laughs> gets a visit by the guy who is running world's biggest internet company. Um, that was weird too. So I don't know what's going on. I mean, apparently for those prominent people out there, uh, it's very tempting, you know, just to have a look at this super close, dark state, you know, just to get an, an image and sort of accept to get these exclusive tours which are like 200% scripted and, <laughs> and planned. So, yeah, I don't know uh, this, the, uh, what it actually means. The, the thing is, North Korean leaders, not just the young man now, Jong-un, but his father also, they like Hollywood. I mean, the things that they know of Hollywood and fame, they like this stuff. They themselves, you know, sort of position themselves as famous personalities, right, in their own home country, and they like these finer things and these good drinks and whatever. So if somebody shows up from the world of the powerful and the famous, from whatever country, especially the U.S., I, I think, you know, they roll out the carpets and they, they have the kids do dances and And if it's basketball, we're going to love basketball. And and then you sit with a leader, and if he has any kind of a personality, he brings it out. Whatever he's got, you know, the nicest he can be, he's going to be. And you're going to come home as the leader of Google. I don't know what, what he said, by the way, Eric. Uh, but you're going to say, eh, they're pretty nice. <laughs> you know, because to you, they were. Yes, like, of course they were. <laughs> yeah, and if you're if you're maybe a journalist who was you know walking on the border between China and, and North Korea and you got scooped up and arrested, that's a whole different thing. Uh, but if you come as a famous person, you're going to be they're going to roll out the red carpet for you. Hmm. Um, and they too they do these tours for journalists and stuff, and, and you know they try to show you the nice North Korea. I mean that's it though. It's just image. I mean it's a lot of image. But I, I could understand like again. You could meet a politician who's the worst person in the world, perhaps, but he may be actually quite charming. You know, George Bush, I've said this on this program before, if you hung out with him, he might make you laugh, and you might actually like him. But, you know, that doesn't mean you like his policies or that he's a good leader or anything like that. It just yeah. means, on a human level, person to person, in that moment, you can enjoy. So, that's what happened. But then, North Korea canceled its peace agreement with South Korea, like, a few days later, um, and made a declaration that they would hit um, the United States preemptively with a nuclear attack uh, if the United Nations, I love how these two are always connected, but um, passes uh, sanctions uh, related to, I guess, the nuclear program. And they did it. They, they, and not, not the attack part, but they, they canceled the peace accord, which is just kind of lame, um, you know, on the part of uh, Jung-un. I mean, he, 
if you really want to break with your dad and and show that you're different and you know after the Rodman basketball show don't don't cancel the peace agreement just you know matter of fact increase the peace after Rodman leaves but uh, <laughs> it just doesn't quite work that way I don't know you know maybe I don't know Rodman if talked ideas. him into this <laughs> yeah it's possible yeah who knows you know, talking about <laughs> basketball strategies and so on. Yeah. Oh, and apparently they they closed a hotline. <laughs> oh yeah, too. There there was the North Korea South Korea hotline, which I imagine to be a red colored phone. Um, it they they must have cut the line, maybe with a pair of scissors. I don't know. Nobody understands North Korea. No, uh, not not many anyway. I mean, I've I know that there are some like people that try and write about it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Do but we I don't understand, even know. Do we understand no. North Korea? <laughs> no. I, do. I mean, look, there was one old strategy, which was <laughs> threaten until you get paid or you get food aid and then stop threatening. So it was this whole, like, you know, what do you call that? Blackmail? Like, threaten something yeah, so that you can get attention like and you can get help. I don't even know if that's what they're doing anymore. It's also a lot of posturing and, and pride. And they're not the only country that has that. United States has that, too. Um. No, yeah, I, I, and, and they're also losing the support of China, and that's that's, that's the also odd, the though. change here. Um, in the recent decades, usually if North Korea was sort of acting up, China wasn't saying anything. It's like, oh yeah, he is. Like, at least there's something that's even more communist than we are. You know, we have to protect this place. It's sort of a, a reserve for <laughs> old ideas, and we have to keep yeah. this. But this is also changing now. And the last move where they were more or less openly uh, announcing that were, they were uh, ready to attack the U.S. with nuclear weapons, uh, that's something that China doesn't like. Because when it comes to, you know, the scenarios, they probably like to do them, them themselves. <laughs> Not so much North Korea. Oh, yeah. And, and don't forget, I mean... Not to, not that everything is about money, but if if something bad happens to the United States, like China's in trouble because they got to sell their shit, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, and also I mean, e even if there is war coming up, I mean, I don't really see this coming up, but this is always the scenario that's sort of looming around the room. Imagine there would be some serious military interve intervention of any kind. Let's say. This would come to a point where uh, South Korea and the U.S. decide to preemptively destroy places like Israel is doing it with Syria mm. and maybe mm. uh, Iran in, in the future, you know. Um, this is sort of destabilizing this whole area. And that's mm. something that China can't have any interest in. Yeah. Not only yeah. China, also Japan, of, yeah. so South Korea itself as well, but you never know. And uh, so I don't think they can keep it up forever like this. And China is going to increase the pressure. And maybe they're already doing that, and this is already part of the show. Somehow North Korea talking about the US, but mm -hmm. oh, sort of addressing this also towards China. But I'm just guessing here. Yeah. Um. Well, Let's move on. Yeah. 
Yes. Actually, it's related. Uh, I saw this announcement uh, this morning, and I knew it was coming soon because the in China they had the big uh, Congress or whatever it's called, <laughs> the Chaos Communication Congress of China, um, <laughs> where they where they decide <laughs> on the next president. Uh, what is a you know a fairly uh, easily predictable ceremony? Uh, the new leader of China, new president, taking over for Hu Jintao, who you know was a name I was so used to. Um, now we've got Xi Jinping. He's the new president. He was elected. What was the gap? Uh, uh, several thousand votes to one. 2,952 delegates for and one against. And I would love to meet the one. Yeah, he's probably already executed by now. <laughs> no, maybe he has to be the one. Like they tell him, like, we need a one. <laughs> I'll be it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but then they execute him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was reading, you know, in, in these newspaper articles, this one was in the New York Times, okay, and they they try to frame, you know, that he comes to power during a time, and one of the first things they point to is that, like, in the opinion of the newspaper, I guess, Chinese people are extremely annoyed these days about the state of their environment, that this whole policy of the government has been uh, expand, 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 grow, 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 and, like, you know, the land is polluted, the water is undrinkable, the air is unbreathable, and that's like a huge thing they want to see change with this new president. Um, I mean, I, I figure there are plenty of Chinese people that, that do feel that way. That's, of course, how an American newspaper frames it. Um, I do find it interesting that the, you know, as this environmental question becomes so obvious, I mean, even to the point that you can't go anywhere without feeling the impacts and you're, and you're buying canned air, which I predict will happen, um, you know, here comes this this new president. This will be one of his problems to deal with. Um, there's an interesting little side note that the, his vice president is considered this, like, reformer. Um, he goes by the name of... Oh, I lost it. Li Yuan Chao. Yeah, and he's seen as a, a liberal reformer, uh, which is I'm kind of curious about. And he's not from the inner circle. Uh, it's probably going to take another six years before you see this guy as president. But apparently, yeah, very different from the rest of the people that are in charge of the Politburo. Anyway, keep him in mind because it's as important as any other large, massive country that sort of leads the world or will lead the world. Xi Jinping is your new Chinese president. Hmm. Yes. And now... Shall we go to some non-presidential news? I notice I've got nothing but presidents and pontiffs on this list. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a personality show right now. It is. It you is. Know? I forgot to mention the uh, the Pope of the Coptic Church, Tawadros. Hello, a shout out to Tawadros and the Coptic Church. <laughs> uh, so here's, here's a thing that's come up in the sort of tech slash internet news that affects you and I, Tim, to some extent. Um, media storage, right? Where we put our files, be they video, be they audio, or whatever. Um, there's a new pop-up archive. They're calling themselves Pop-Up Archive for Media Storage. And it's associated with American Public Radio, PRX, uh, Public Radio International. And it won some big awards, you know, this Knight News Challenge. Uh, Knight Ritter is this foundation that, that sort of chooses big projects to fund. And I'm kind of, I'm surprised to see this. They're, they won the challenge. They've got some funding now. They're launching. I already applied for my, uh, what is it called, test account or whatever, beta. Um, it's supposed to be easy media organization. Uh, now, I use, uh, not exclusively, um, but 
when I do projects, I sometimes use archive.org, which is a project from, well, it's associated with a lot of public libraries and universities in California. And one of the reasons I use it is it's free and it's been around for years and it doesn't seem like a project that's going to close down uh, the way a company might fold because it's associated with sort of government funds and so on. I also use Libsyn as a private service uh, that I actually pay some money for and not very expensive, but it is some money. Um, and that's where my MP3s have been going for many years. And there have been other services. I mean, you, you self-host, don't you? Oh, yes, I do. Yeah. And, I mean, over the years, I think Blueberry, the, the player, they tried to have their own file storage. Maybe they do um, for people who want to, you know, have these large data uh, places. Some have disappeared. You know, years ago when Podshow was a sort of a growing force in the world of podcasting, um, you could host your files for free on Podshow. And, and something that happened to a lot of the people from 2000, like the early days of podcasting, 2005, 2006... Podshow closed uh, and just simply switched off a lot of its servers. So all of those shows, and that was a lot of podcasts that were hosted on Podshow, are gone. That's, uh, that's really a dick move. I mean, that's, yeah. that's like the worst you can, can do. And that's really, really, yeah. really offensive to all those people <laughs> who trusted you over such a long time. Yeah. And that's one of those old items that I guess a lot of people have been warning us about. Maybe people listening are saying, oh, I could have warned you about it. That, you know, when you host your files in places that are free, that are, you know, some company, some startup somewhere, and then the startup goes away, that a lot of that can be lost. You know, a lot of these great videos yeah. and photos and everything. And probably um, will. Because in the end, when they're running into financial problems, you know, things can move really quick. And the, the least they care about is, you know, your files. Yeah, yeah. So here comes a service. I mean, I'm still not clear on, you know, how many years of funding they have or what guarantees there are, but um, it's going to attempt to be, I think, a free service. Um, and uh, and I wanted to highlight it now because it might be interesting. Um, they claim they're going to have a really good search to, you know, this old idea of being able to search through audio well. We'll see. Um, and then, you know, just... They keep talking about a database, how good their database will be. Um, we'll see, uh, basically. I'm going to try to use it occasionally, and it's called Pop-Up Archive for Media Storage. You can read the article about it. It was launched at South by Southwest uh, just, I think, last week, in mm -hmm. fact. Yeah. yeah, I haven't really looked at this. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, in the U.S., there seems to be much more appreciation of radio content in, 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 in that sense. Um. Yeah, and as a general advice, I'd say, you know, usually these podcast hosting services are not really, I haven't really seen anything that was, where I was cheering and saying like, oh, finally, they're, yeah. you know, rather expensive for what they actually provide. They usually have very, very limited storage limits and so on. And then the user interfaces that, that, that they provide are sort of, you know, limiting you uh, in, other, uh, in, in many ways. Although I can understand that people who are not really into technology so much are, you know, not really that interested in, in, in hosting your stuff um, themselves. So, but things like Amazon S3, you know, or the, the Glacier stuff, where you can really put your files in and, 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 and super cheap to uh, 
keep them, you know, forever. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. By by with different values of forever, of course, um, but that that's probably the best way, you know. Find some low, like not not so expensive, a cheap, long storage system where you can just put your stuff, you know, not really to have it online all the time, but to be able to retrieve it online whenever you need it, and then host your current stuff, wherever you think is right. But if this service goes down, you can always go back to this digital locker room and, 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 and get your stuff out and put it wherever you, you need it. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go on to uh, news sources for today. And since I was using, especially for the North Korea story, but it's all connected, the, the public radio archive, um, I'm, I'm going to do an audio Uh, source today, and that is uh, the podcast, uh, which is also a radio program, PRI's The World. Uh, it's a daily program, and it's a news program. And they uh, are associated with the BBC, where they also have uh, radio content featured, and WGBH in Boston, which is public radio, where my dear friend Christopher Lydon also works occasionally. And what I like about them is in the morning, if if I don't, I mean, the newspaper to my house uh, doesn't always get here in the morning somehow. Um, and I will, you know, of course, there's the internet, but I like to just, uh, you know, when I'm sort of arranging things in my house and getting dressed, turn on a podcast. And this one is one that has the news of the day. It's fairly mainstream, uh, although from a more public radio uh, style. So it's not so much about Hollywood or anything like that, but it's more... Yes, the big news stories of the day. They have correspondence, sort of they benefit from the public radio world a bit. So anyone who does correspondent work for public radio, you'll hear from them uh, on the world sometimes. And uh, it's about 20 to 30 minutes, I think. And that's a pretty good size. Um, and I've been listening to it for about only about a year. I always heard about it and never really got into it. And on their website, you know, the transcripts and the pretty good uh, for people who are not listening but just want to follow news, you have pretty good details on their on their website as well. So I like that one, especially as an audio source. So PRI is behind this. Um, can you... I mean, what's still a mystery to uh, me and probably uh, many more is the structure of these um, open media corporations or public. I mean, they're not public in the sense that the state is funding them or funding them enough. What What's the status of PRI itself? I, uh, I I think PRI benefits from some uh, funds from the like uh, the government, the U.S. government, and then the rest it has to sort of raise on its own. So every show that's associated with PRI has to do fundraising, and in the past there is some government, partial government funding as well, and that's the stuff that's always getting threatened because you know Republicans or Democrats or whoever is upset with uh, the fact that they're yeah getting government money. Uh, I don't know what percentage of government money they get, but I'm pretty sure they still get some. Um, and PRI, as compared to NPR, has tried much harder to have these associations with other countries, and, I mean, hence the whole international angle. Um, so you will hear some associations with the BBC, 
we had a program here in the Netherlands, which has been canceled now, um, called The State We're In, which was associated with PRI, and it appeared on some American stations. Uh, so it's a combination, public and individuals who donate. In a way, it's kind of harking back to what we do now with, with PayPal and, and Flatter. Um, it was, you know, support this program, get a T-shirt, and you become a member or whatever it is. Uh, and, and so shows like This American Life are distributed by PRI. Um, uh, those, that's probably the most famous. Uh, any other very famous one? Tavis Smiley is famous in the United States, uh, but that's that's probably it. The other ones are much smaller names, Living on Earth. Um, but what's the relationship between PRI, NPR, uh, you mentioned just PRX. Are these yeah. sort of competing for the same market? Are they all getting funding from the government or do they have, are they playing different roles? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Okay. Well, so NPR is like for the United States, and it's it's again what I just described this whole government and private donations thing. Um, PRX is a public radio exchange, and I don't know how it's run. I really, I just don't. Um, and then PRI has its specific programs that it pushes to to different parts of the world, and that it brings in. Um, so, and, and I know that PRI is based in Minneapolis, uh, you know, sort of where it, it comes out of, um, I, yeah, it, it competes with NPR to some extent. And there's something called American public media, which I, I really don't know much about at all. Um, and let's see, is there anything else? No, it has stuff on satellite radio, but that, that, yeah. So it's confusing. So we'll probably look this uh, uh, up a bit more and, and, and make it a topic later on because I find this very interesting to understand not only the American system, but maybe where that's where we could start, you know, and probably uh, take a look at other um, systems around the world in addition to the news source stuff just yeah. to come up with a new idea of what to focus on because I find this very interesting It works very differently in many countries here in Europe. Um, it's good to have uh, more knowledge on this one. Yes. Okay. We'll come back to the structure of uh, public radio in the United States because mm -hmm. you do have these different names that are that sound related, sound connected, and sometimes they're just not, actually. Um, but it's considered, yes, a public radio network. And uh, it's for me, the world is a good source of news on a daily basis. So add that to the news list This uh, yeah brings us to the end of the show. We couldn't do one last week for you know reasons of travel and other activities we had, and uh, we're probably not going to do one next week too because I'm going to be on uh, on a short trip. Okay. But we'll continue as soon as we can. And we'll yeah, not too many uh, world leaders are dying. Yeah, really getting exchanged. We're going to move away from elections. It's going to be a non-election week. Yes. And when you get back from, from your holiday. Um, I don't know. What do we do if we don't do elections? We're going to talk about agriculture <laughs> and uh, shipping. <laughs> shipping. <laughs> well, I, there's not really a lack of information uh, or That's news true. to choose from. All right. Very okay. good. Well, 
Until next time, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for the comments on the website, of course. And uh, catch you on the Twitters and the other places. Yeah, thanks for your support via Flutter too. Yes. And uh, yeah, see you. Goodbye. Bye.